This is the Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. At the top of every sport, the differences in the physical capabilities between athletes are very slim. Fractions of seconds decide who's on the podium and who goes home empty-handed. Often what truly separates the very best from the rest is not physical, but mental. What can we learn from the mental strength abilities of the highest performing athletes in the world? What do they do that we don't? And more importantly, how can we learn to have the mental strength of a champion in our own lives? Let's find out. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. On today's show, we're going to have a conversation with applied positive psychologist, Shannon Thompson. She works with elite pro athletes around the world and the Division I running teams at Northern Arizona State University. We'll go over the most common limiting beliefs runners have that zap performance, her favorite methods for getting through the toughest part of a race, and how to overcome doubts and fears to build the self-confidence of a champion. This conversation was an absolute delight to have, and I really can't wait for you to hear the amazing tips Shannon shares to elevate your mental strength today. Be sure to reach out to me on Instagram at The Planted Runner after you listen to this and let me know which one will be most helpful to you. At the end of this episode, I'll reveal last month's winner of our Apple Podcast Review Contest. One lucky reviewer will receive a signed copy of my book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition. If you'd like to win your own copy, write an Apple Podcast Review today. I choose a new winner every month. And now here's my conversation with Shannon Thompson. Welcome to the Planted Runner, Shannon. Thanks for having me, Claire. Let's first start off with the field that you are an expert in, applied positive psychology. What exactly is that? Yeah, so applied positive psychology is the study of human flourishing and high achievement. Um, And uh, it it originated when a, a clinical psychologist realized that the majority of our research in psychology is um, into, into mental illness, which is, of course, an essential and valid thing to be studying. Um, but he, he said, why don't we study the people who are ex- thriving in an exceptional way or mm. really living fulfilling lives? Why don't we study them and learn about them? So positive psychology is the study of people living flourishing lives. Okay, great. It has nothing to do with like a positive attitude or being positive in life. Um, or maybe it, it's, it's, it, 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 it includes, it includes okay. the study of positive emotion. Um, and it includes uh, experiments as to how we can have more positive emotion. Um, but, but it, so it has something to do with it, but it's not all about that. Okay. Well, I would love to explore how to have more positive emotions because (laughs) running is hard, you know, running is hard and we get negative emotions. Even the most well-adjusted quote unquote normal people get those negative voices when they Mm -hmm. are doing hard things. So uh, you work with a lot of um, athletes and notably the D1 school, uh, Northern Arizona University. And I'd love for you to talk to us about your work with them. And of course, we want to get into how you can help the rest of us regular runners. Yeah, yeah. So I've been 
fortunate enough to be involved with NAU since 2016, so quite a while now. They, um, and uh, yeah, I, I was friends with their coach before he even started to coach there. And um, so he was kind enough to invite me, Mike Smith, he was kind enough to invite me to the, to the, to the program and offer my services. And then um, I just loved it. I loved it. I love the environment. I love the people. And so I, I hung around a lot. And uh, basically how that work has evolved is into weekly, what I call focus sessions for the NAU team. And then I'm also available um, for other athletes to see me individually. And um, many people might know, but some might not. I think you have a wide uh, population of different runners who listen to your, yeah. to your podcast. Um, and at NAU, the, the, the athletes, well, I, I do track and field too. So I do write down at the sprinters, but my focus is probably mostly distance. And so that's 800 meters right up to 10 K both cross country and on the track. So that's probably my most um, common range that I work with. And um, so, yeah, so I work with NAU and then I also work with, um, I work with professional runners from the 800 meters right through to the marathon and then also uh middle school mostly high, some middle schoolers lots of high schoolers uh as well so there's quite a there's quite a range yeah so okay so a focus session a weekly focus session so you know that sounds like you know the equivalent of a speed workout you do your speed workout once a week you do your <laughs> mental strength once a week so what mm -hmm. what are you learning in these or what are you teaching the athletes in these focus sessions yeah, I'd say that, you know, the intent and the structure of the focus session is pretty similar to that, actually. So, mm -hmm. so I, I usually bring like one, what I would call one perspective or practice and sometimes both. Sometimes I'll have a perspective that leads to a practice, but I'll do, I'll bring one perspective or pr practice a week to them. Um, one that's intended to help them either improve their experience with their running or perform better in their running. And uh, we teach it. I teach it and uh, give them examples of how they can use it in their in their running. And then um, beyond that, they're welcome to come to me and get a little bit more personalized help with anything. Mm -hmm. And that, but yeah, each week is a different topic. I do have a curriculum that has a somewhat sensible order. And um, yeah, that's how those look. Yeah. So I want to get into this with examples, definitely. So at the end of my show, I do the mental strength minute and which is where I talk cool. about one topic that hopefully can help you become a better runner in less than 60 seconds. So I want some tips. I want some tricks. So what are some of the, the classic uh, lessons that you teach? And then I'd love to get into the maybe some that we haven't heard of before. Sure. So I would say the the general lens through which I see my see my which I see my work um, it follows a what I would call a Flagstaff metaphor, Flagstaff Arizona metaphor. And uh, there was this one day I was walking north in Flagstaff, and um, they have this there's this big mountain in Flagstaff that's twelve twelve thousand feet. It's very beautiful, and it's, it stands over top of the town. And I was having one of those days where I just felt great, like confident, connected content, you know, all those, all those words. And I was like, man, I feel like the mountain on a clear day, you know, no weather in the way, no weather in sight. And it occurred to me as I was looking at the mountain that that's actually a pretty good metaphor for what it's like to be a person. Like, I believe that the basic truth about any of us is how we feel when we're confident, connected and content, you know, like that's mm. us seeing ourselves the most clearly and anything other than seeing that way is what I would call weather. It's like mental and emotional weather that gets in the way of us being able to see our mountain. So, so the lens that I teach right away is like the truth about you is who you feel that like you are at your best. And anything other than that is just weather getting in the way of the truth. Mm -hmm. So we start, like we start our whole 
year with that. And then we start with um, how do we see through the weather? You know, and I think the first way that we see through the weather is we got to be clear about the mountain. Like, what's the mountain? And so I ask them three questions, and we do these in three separate sessions. Who do you want to be? How do you want to see? What are you going to do? Because I believe the, our answers to those three questions really do well describe ourselves at our best. Um, so we'll do one session where we talk about who do you want to be in a racing environment? How do you want to see the race? How do you want to see the challenge that is the race? And then what are you going to do in the race? Um, so from there, where we go is we, um, I think who do you want to be is a little bit self-explanatory. We come up with words to describe the person you want to be. Uh, the how do you want to see perspective? We talk about I get to perspectives versus I have to perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I have to perspectives are like, um, I have to, I have to get my goal time. I have to run a PR. I have to make my coach proud. I have to blah, blah, blah. You know, um, there's, and those perspectives are stressful and they tend to get in the way of an athlete performing at their best. So instead we try to choose, I get to perspectives. I get to see how fit I am. I get to practice committing to the middle of the race. I get to compete at the end. I get to play the game of racing. We work hard to kind of help them adopt these, I get to perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the third, the, what am I going to do? Uh, we break the race up, we take their race and we break it up into chunks and we decide where they're going to focus within each chunk to be who the person, to be the person they want to be in the race. And that's a really fast way of describing like four whole sessions sure. basically, but, but that's like huge amount of my work fits in that, fits in that like framework. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So like the, the analogy of the weather, um, mm -hmm. is a really good one because sometimes thoughts are considered like the weather. They just come into our heads and, and they mm -hmm. go often we're not in charge of those, or maybe we're, you know, depending on who you talk to, <laughs> maybe we're not in charge at all. They just come from somewhere. And when we're doing hard things, those negative thoughts creep in, you know, hard things are hard and we doubt ourselves. We say, I'm too slow or I can't do this. So what, what kind of, what kind of tips and tricks or what can we practice to kind of change those negative thoughts or is it even possible? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, well, I think one of the, there's two, there's two major challenges within running that make negative thoughts really likely. Um, the first one is that uh, a race a race is always going to be unknown until it's over, right? So we, yeah. I think we often experience negative thoughts in the lead up to a race and we experience negative thoughts during a race. So the negative thoughts in the lead up to the race are often because the race is this meaningful thing that matters to us, but we don't actually know how it's going to go. And um, our brains are wired with a predisposition called the negativity bias, and the negativity bias means that we, when we look into the future, we typically pick out the threats. We pick out the things that could hurt us, both physically and also emotionally. Um, so, yeah, so just by entering this space where we are taking on challenges that matter to us, but they're, they're, they're not certain, uh, they're not certain and they matter to us, I could say, um, it just activates that part of our brain that's already looking for threat and narrowing to threat. So, so that's, um, that, that predisposition that makes us more likely to experience negative thoughts. And then, then when you're actually in the race itself, like basically the, the nature of hard effort 
is you're taking your body to a point that is not sustainable indefinitely, right? Like you're, right. you're, you're, you're consuming more oxygen than you can actually like take into your body or your body is using more than you can take in. Um, you're, you're depleting your glycogen stores, you're breaking down muscle fibers. So your very basic, uh, nervous system is like, whoa, we can't do this for very long. And so it's sending all sorts of warning signals through like fatigue, through pain and negative thoughts. You know, it right. kind of comes right back at us, right? When we tip out. So, so the first step that I like to take when it comes to working with negative thoughts is to, to first of all, understand why we have them. Um, and that, and that us doing what we're doing makes us predisposed because we're putting ourselves at risk. We're putting ourselves at risk for psychological pain when we take on a challenge that matters to us. And we're putting ourselves at risk physiologically, according to our nervous system, uh, by doing this thing that's depleting us. And so I personally think that negative thoughts are just human and universal and we can rarely full on stop them. You know, they're Mm -hmm. just there. And a lot of the time they're well-intentioned, you know, like the, 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 the thoughts of like this bad thing could happen to you in this race. that's going to hurt you. Like, we don't like it, but it's well-intentioned. Um, your body being like, I'm tired. I can't stay with this pack. I can't stay with this pace. You need to stop as well and is well-intentioned. So I think they're, um, they're a bit of inevitable and, and universal. Um, I do think though, like one, one, something I try to do a lot of is educating people why they come, because mm-hmm. I think then when they, when they do come an athlete can be like, Oh, I know what's happening to me. I'm, I'm fearing about the unknown. That's my mm-hmm. negativity bias. I'm trying to be certain about something I can't be certain about. This is, this is just my brain trying to help me. It feels bad, but it's just my brain time trying to help me or, or partway through a race effort. I think I can't do this. I think I can't reach my goal. I think I can't keep this pace. So, all right, that's just my, that's a reaction in my brain. It's my brain trying to help me. So, um, so yeah, the first way I try to help with that is just to help athletes understand what's happening when that reaction comes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we, we work on where we would put our focus alternatively. Um, and we'd probably talk about that and plan it in advance. So, so for example, um, in the lead up to a race where someone's having negative thoughts about what could happen in the race, maybe we would be choose instead to become curious, just be a little bit back to those. I get two perspectives. Like I get to see how fit I am. I get to see, mm-hmm. um, I get to practice competing, c- committing to the middle of the race or, um, or I'm grateful. I'm choosing to see this. I'm grateful to have this opportunity. So we prepare them to tell a different story. Um, and then in the race, usually it's more so we try to prepare them to focus on the chunk of the race they're in. So we've, we've planned in advance, like where their focus is going to be within each chunk. So we'd be like, okay, when the inevitable voice that says you can't do this shows up, what chunk of the race you're in? Oh, you're in that 5k in the middle of that marathon. What was your plan? Oh, um, relaxing my shoulders and focusing on the person ahead of me, you know, they go back to, they like go back to that. So, um, yeah, it was a big, quick spiel on negative thoughts. But. Yeah, no, 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 that's great. That's great. I think I, I feel that there's like two um, maybe modalities of thinking about, um, you know, the negative thoughts while you're in the stressful situation. One is to try to distract yourself from them. And then mm-hmm. on the other side of the coin is becoming even more present, you know, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Can you talk about those two different, um, I don't know, you know, ways of coping? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can. Um, and either one, either one can, can definitely be effective and helpful. I know, um, in a longer race, there's a phrase they use a lot in NAU or Mike Smith uses it now everybody uses, and it's go to sleep. 
Ah. And, uh, and, and basically the reason he uses the phrase go to sleep is because really you, in a long effort, you want to get through as much of that as you can expending as little both physical energy and also emotional energy as you can. Mm-hmm. So go to sleep. Like I'll have athletes tell me they, they like put their eyes on their person in front of them, as long as they're going the pace they should, you know, or, or they're positioned where they should. And they'll like check out, let their mind wander a little bit and think about anything. And the, the, the caveat being they need to maintain their pace and their position, right. <laughs> you know, like, right. so like, uh, or there'll be, I have some, I have some exercises where people can move their attention around a little bit in those parts of the race to, um, work with discomfort. But yeah, so I think, um, in the early part of a long effort, distraction, distraction is very helpful because it kind of lets you like chill out and relax and not work too hard emotionally or attentionally. Mm-hmm. But then later in a race, when things are quite hard, we often need more, like more effort, more presence, more commitment to make sure we don't fall off the pace or make sure we don't fall off the effort or make sure we don't succumb to like thoughts and feelings and beliefs about our now inability to keep with the pace. Right. So I'd say later, later in an effort is where I would emphasize greater presence. And then for like a 1500, you probably all you probably <laughs> want to be present for the whole thing, you know, yeah. like, or, or maybe even a, maybe even a 3k, um, maybe even a 5k, depending on the person, depending on like how the race is unfolding. But mm-hmm. that's how I would, yeah, distinguish between the two. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, Obviously, just like physical training, we need to practice our mental training too. We need to work on these things, not just when we're, you know, running the race, but beforehand. So how much can we do, you know, on the run or how much are we doing just sitting and imagining and visualizing and all of that stuff? Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah, that, that really differs person to person to person, um, really depending on a person's temperament and um, their, their experiences, their past experiences with, with running and how comfortable they feel in the racing environment as well. Um, I know there's some athletes that I work with who I talk to once or twice, a, very, few, very little, like maybe once or twice a year. And they are just, they're athletes that are very um, excited, present, to be in the racing environment have had a lot of good experiences and they like to be instinctive. They like to be creative. Mm-hmm. So for those athletes, um, they differ amongst themselves, but as far as their like ritualized practicing, there's less of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I know other, other athletes who, um, have had more of a mixed bag of experiences and their personality might be just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more anxiety to their person in their personality. And, um, those athletes uh, have athletes who will like practice the breath meditation every day in order to get present and to, to kind of manage that, manage their thoughts and manage their emotions. Um, they will break their race up in chunks every workout and practice like a pre-planned plan over that workout every single time. Um, and a lot of them will visualize really regularly too. So it, mm-hmm. it, it varies a lot. Um, I'd say the middle ground would be, um, when it comes to running, I would say most athletes have an idea of in advance of the race, what they want to do in the race. And they'll practice that either through visualization prior to the race, or, um, they'll, th- they'll bring those things to mind within their runs and within their workouts and see, see themselves kind of in their mind's eye doing them. That's probably the most common We'll be back with our conversation with Shannon Thompson right after this. 
sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionu. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. This is the Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. Let's get back to my conversation with Shannon Thompson. I'm glad you brought up visualization. Visual, visualization is something I share with my athletes. It's something that I that really, really helped me when I was racing marathons is, you know, being calm and lying down and visualizing the whole race, both the good and the bad, like not just the positive, but also the negative. I mean, I know we talked about we're we're pre disposed to think about the negative, but some people are just so positive that they completely forget about all the negative. And then when something bad happens, they're like, what? (laughs) And completely lose it. So yeah, I'd love for you to share any kind of visualization techniques that uh, people can try on their own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And I agree, you know, like I always suggest athletes include some normal adversity in their visualization. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that I usually teach visualization is um, I usually teach it around the design of a loose race focus plan. So, so basically what the loose race focus plan looks like is the athlete in advance of the race breaks the race into chunks and decides like on a great day, what kind of decisions do they want to make within each chunk? Like what kind of, what, what task do they want to accomplish within each chunk? I'm, I'm very particular about being focused on what, how they're going to act in each chunk, what they're going to do as opposed to like how they're going to feel. Cause mm. it's just so un- how athletes are going to feel is so unpredictable. We can't rely on a feeling to do the thing that we want to do in the race, you know? So, so the loose focus plan is structured around what are you going to do in the race? Um, and, and, uh, so then I will, I'll ask when I, if they want to do visualization, I'll ask them to just visualize, visualize your loose plan, like visualize yourself executing the plan as planned within, within the race. Um, one thing that's important about the loose plan is that part of its power is that the athlete is focused on only one chunk of the race at a time. So like if it's a marathon and you divided it into five Ks or five mile chunks, let's say, um, you treat that first five miles as it's, it's the only five miles you have to run that day. And then the mm-hmm. next five miles, it's like the only five miles. So, so then when you do your visualization, you want to see yourself be that present inside that chunk when you are visualizing, because the skill we're really practicing is your ability to be present in the chunk. That's an important skill. So we add that to the, to the visualization. Um, we definitely add a normal adversity. So things like, you know, you miss a split, you feel 
if things are harder earlier in the race and you want them to drop a water bottle, (laughs) drop a water bottle, you lose your pacer or your friends or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like, what are you going to do? And, and so, um, we'll often have a a keyword or like a reset focus, like rhythm Mm -hmm. or yeah, or uh, rhythm or form or find someone to run with and stay with them for a mile. Like that kind of, that kind of a thing. Um, and then we have them visualize them, them visualize themselves getting back on track and like being successful. Oh, I like that um, cue. Can I, we just stop right at that keyword? Cause that's something I yeah. hadn't thought about. I mean, you know, we talk about mantras all the time, which is a little bit different, but a keyword to get you back on track. That's, that's a really cool technique. I like that. Yeah. Yep. And then you, and then, yeah. And then when you, vis- when you visualize yourself, do it. And then you say to yourself in the race, when something happens, you're kind of, you're more prepared. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Yeah. I love, so you, another thing I wanted to talk about is kind of the outside of the actual racing. I know some athletes who just work themselves up so much pre-race or even pre-hard workout. And they're mm-hmm. so nervous. You know, like I've had athletes that make me hide their workouts until the next day so they can only see it like right before they have to run it because they're just so concerned about hitting their splits or doing it right, or it's going to be hard. It's just like that pre-race or pre-workout anxiety that they feel. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for working through that? Yeah. Like when there's, when there's a, well, actually I should tell you one more thing about visualization. Oh yeah. Before sorry. I, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. One more thing that I think is important. And I think, cause I think it's the place where most people make a mistake with yeah, it yeah. is, um, I suggest people don't visualize the outcome of the race. Like don't Mm -hmm. visualize yourself running a certain time or beating a certain person. Um, What I find happens if people do visualize the outcome of a race is if in the real race, if at any point in the race, it looks like that's that outcome is not going to happen. They'll give up way easier than if they'd Mm never visualized the outcome. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I just advise people to see themselves feeling proud, finishing, feeling proud and happy with their effort and leave the specifics of the outcome out. Of That's great. That's a really good tip. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. But pre-race but, anxiety. But, yeah. So we'll switch pre, gears pre, again. Yeah. Pre-race anxiety or pre-workout anxiety. I, um, the, the approach that I typically take with that, with an athlete who comes to me and is like, I'm so nervous. Like I'm so scared. I, the, the question I most want to ask them is like, what are you believing? Like, what are you believing that the, the significance of this race is for you? Because when somebody is that, that upset, you know, or like almost upset, you could say it's like, man, something deep down in you is believing that this race has a lot of power over something that's really important to you. So, so if I would dive into that and really want to get clear, why so much fear? Cause there's like, it's, that's what it is, is it's a whole ton of fear. Is it, is it, I, I, one of the most common, one of the most common things is, um, just throughout that athlete's past, um, for whatever reason, achievement has been a really important thing in their life, whether it was to please a parent, to or adult authority figure, to be noticed, to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so now even as adults, maybe doing running for fun, uh, <laughs> it, it comes back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like it, it's still like, it's very, very old stuff, very old stuff mm. that, um, so I, I, I really think the key is to understand like, what, what are you believing about the significance of this effort and what are you believing the consequences are? And, um, it's not always an easy question to ask alone. Like, like usually the first, like if I ask an athlete, what are you believing? The first answer is, well, I'm not a bad workout. And then right. I'll be like, well, right. And I'll be like, okay, like then I'll say, okay, so what does that, 
what does that mean about you? And, and then it'll be, I didn't prepare well enough for like, and then I'll be like, well, what does that mean about you? Well, maybe I don't have what it takes to like achieve my goals. I'm like, well, what does that mean about you? And so we'll go like deeper, 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 deeper. And, and what we often arrive at is some, um, kind of dire sort of fear. Like I, I, I'm, I can't get better. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't belong Mm -hmm. or I, um, or I'm, you know, not going to fit in or going to be excluded or something like that. That's a pretty deep fear. Yeah. Yeah. What I hear a lot is I'm too old. I'm not fast enough anymore. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I hear. And I'm not fast and I'm too old. That means I, and so I know I don't belong and I don't, I don't belong here. Right. In my, where I, where I've had friends and connection. Yeah. And then where you go from there, because <laughs> we're not getting any younger, you know? <laughs> I know. Well, then I think where I would go from there is I, if that was the person, if they were like, I'm not fast anymore. And so there's this belief like I don't fit and I don't belong anymore. I would be like, is that true? We would, we would ask, is that true? Do you, do you not fit in? Like, okay, you're getting slower. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you don't belong here? Like, does that mean there isn't a place for you? Um, like what, and, and so we'd kind of be able we'd slowly kind of explore the truth, like the truth of it. Yeah. And, um, usually people are like, usually people will take themselves back on the right track. To be honest, I don't mm-hmm. usually have to do it. I'll ask questions like, is that true? Is that true about you? Is that true? You know, they'll be like, well, no, cause, and they're shaky. Cause it's like, shoot, I don't know. Like I've had this belief that I have to, you know, run fast to be in order to be fit in and it's, and it's slow and hesitant, but they'll start to turn around. We'll be back with our conversation with Shannon Thompson right after this. If you're a marathoner or half marathoner, now is the time to plan for success for your big spring race. Instead of relying on motivation or going at it alone, come join an amazing group of runners just like you on the PR team. It's a virtual running team and so much more. You'll get a truly custom plan for all your running, strength, mobility, mental strength workouts, and more, all based on your fitness, your goals, and your lifestyle. You'll get all your questions answered by me and our super supportive team in a private online running community. And the coolest part is you get access to an exclusive weekly private podcast just for the team. I answer your questions on the show, give training advice specific to you and the rest of the team, and you can even stay anonymous if that's more your style. It's the sweet spot between just getting a DIY plan and full-on private coaching, even though you'll get lots of individual attention. All for as low as $75 a month. It's a perfect way to stick to your goals for the rest of the year and beyond. Not to mention, it's a lot of fun. Team spots are limited, so sign up today at theplantedrunner.com slash group. That's theplantedrunner.com slash group. This is The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. Let's get back to my conversation with Shannon Thompson. Lots of good stuff to think about. So, you know, in your bio, it actually says that your work is science-based, philosophical, (laughs) and spiritual. And I recently did a podcast all about running and spirituality that people really like. So I would love to hear your twist on that. So when I saw that, I was like, huh, got to ask about that. Yeah, my twist on that spiritual side. Oh, man. Um, I think well, I think there'd be my personal view. And then there would be the yeah. differing views I see spiritually in among the athletes that I, that I work with, you know, and, um, 
I would say my view, which typically doesn't differ too much among the other athletes who like to talk to like to talk in a spiritual vein, is just like man, like running is a is a is a, a vehicle, a, a world in which we get to grow, and we get to grow our 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 who we are as people, our 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 soul, bring out ourselves, you know, all kind of spiritual things. Um, so I think at its heart, um, yeah, I see it as that kind of a place like where each person there's a reason I, I believe there's a reason why each person is called to running feels the pull to running um and it, i think usually when people get started it's like oh because i'm gonna run fast so i'm gonna achieve this goal and like that's mm-hmm. gonna do this for me and i think it's like almost never that you know you might you might but like the the greatest growth on that path is is often meeting parts of yourself you didn't think you were going to meet on the path of running. That's for mm-hmm. sure. And, 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 but because you love running, you're challenged to grow those parts. And, um, yeah, like, like, I think one of the, one of the, um, one of the challenges I see a lot of athletes meet is, you know, I, uh, I know a lot of athletes who arrive at a pretty high level of running because they were just really good at it as kids. It's like their identity or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they think the reason for their path is they're going to go to the Olympics or they're going to hit this goal or, um, and I think, I think lots of even like non-elite athletes have a similar kind of reason as I'm going to get this goal or show this and show that about sure. myself. And, um, and then what they often find is they, in order to progress, they need to let go of things they never thought they'd have to like, um, rigid attachment outcome, for example, like rigid, rigid attachment yeah. outcome is something that serves a lot of professions too, right? Like, like, like being mm-hmm. very hard on yourself, being really, really hard on yourself, meticulous, um, more is better. Like all of those things that can serve people in some professions, it, there'll be a point where they don't serve a runner. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, well, the hard and part so is that it works at first. It works really well at first. Yeah, it does work really well at first. Yeah. 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 And then it's you got to totally change it. Yeah, yeah, it's got to get you down the path and not far enough. You can't go back, you know, right. like, like yeah. you know, and then you find yourself in it. So, so yeah, like back to the spiritual side of things, I, I, I do think running is, just, I think any passion we pursue, we, we start out a bit infatuated with it to begin with and then kind of fall in love with it. And then, oh shoot, now I'm in too deep. And I, there's lessons that I have to learn that I never thought I was going to have to learn on this path and I'm stuck and I kind of have to learn them if I want to get to the other side of this thing that matters to me. Um, so, so whatever label someone puts on that, you know, whether it's God's plan or whether it's like hero's journey or whether it's like, you know, the energy of the universe, I don't care. Like all of it's fine. It's, um, it's just, but I do think that's the core reason why any of us are, you know, do it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more than running. <laughs> and it, it sure and it, is more than running. Yeah. And it's more than the times, but you know, we're so focused on those times. We love, that's part of the reason people run is because it's black and white. You either did it or you didn't, you know, the clock doesn't lie. You know, mm-hmm. our splits are our splits. Our race numbers are our race numbers. How mm-hmm. can, how can you be improving in the sport, which again is all about numbers without holding on to the numbers so tightly? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing is to realize that, that, um, you don't have to hold on to the numbers to be your best. Like I know a lot of people who feel like, man, I, just, I have to care so much about this specific thing to make it happen. And actually that's not, that's like not how it works. It, um, an excellent race is the sum of excellent actions mm. and the quality of each action is how present we are in the action. 
you know, so, so we, we, we both can and need to let go of thoughts of the number we want or the time we want, because if we're thinking about that and clinging to, clinging to that while we're completing the actions that are supposed to lead to that, every moment is, um, impoverished, you would say, because half of our attention is this wanting and this needing this time. It's not even here in the now, you know, like we, yeah. we, 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 so, so I, I think the, the first step is to recognize like, um, yeah, I want that thing, but really I get the thing by having quality moments in the lead up to the thing. So I got to let go of thinking about the thing so I can have my attention in the quality moment. Um, the other thing that I think helps runners is that Success in endurance sport is, um, I think, very highly, highly influenced by the state of their stress system. Oh. And if we so so like what's happening in the middle of a race when an athlete gets like they get to the point of most difficulty is your body's tipping out of homeostasis. So you're you're not getting the oxygen you need and all that, you know, that we mentioned earlier. And um, when athletes are like, but I want this time, but I need this time, what happens is the, the stress system activates. And then when you're in this moment of, of uh, tipping out of homeostasis, your brain's like, am I, it's like looking around at the situation and it's like, am I okay? And if it senses like stress and need and the sense of potential loss in consequences, what the nervous system does is it goes, oh, this environment's not a safe environment. I need to start shutting things down because mm -hmm. we're in danger. Whereas if you have developed the ability to be like, you know, um, my reason for being here is I'm grateful to be here. My reason for being here is I'm curious about how fast I run today. When you get to that point of tipping out of homeostasis and your body's like, I don't know if I'm okay. And it checks into your emotional climate. It's like, oh, they're just curious and interested in having a good time. Yeah. It must be okay. And so it's performance enhancing to let go as well. And and be present or grateful or whatever, you know, and um, because it literally enables our brain to feel safe in us to allow the exertion to continue. Yeah. It's like a paradox. You have to let it go is. to get what you want, you know? Yeah. 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 Have the it big really goals, is. dream the big dreams, and then let them all go, right? <laughs> And it's so hard. I, I, um, it's so, it's so hard. I do teach like letting go forms of meditation. Um, mm. and, and so that's, it's, it's mostly like a, a basic, but like a basic breath meditation. Um, but where we also incorporate listening to the space and like relaxing the body. Um, cause I think that's like the first step to being able to let it go, let go of thoughts and emotions that are attached to outcome. Um, and get present. Like the quicker we can notice we're tight and get present, the, the, the better. So, um, yeah, teaching that skill literally helps people when they notice their thoughts going there. Um, yeah, but it's really hard. I think it takes a lot of suffering sometimes for an athlete to actually let it go, you know, yeah. to let it. Let well, I mean, and that certainly brings up another point too, is like through suffering, we learn a lot about ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. we learn after the bad races, more probably than the easy, good races, we learn what mm -hmm. went wrong. You know, we have a taste of defeat and we don't want that again. So we work harder next time or, or even things like taking a cold plunge. It's hard, but you feel good afterward. You know, like you uh, know, humans, it's like, we need to suffer to perform better. Do you, do you find that in your work? Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've read in like lots of spiritually oriented things, you know, suffering is like the greatest, is the greatest teachers. Um, there's very few things that will cause us to change than 
as much as suffering will cause us to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I do. And I can even, even like, um, when it comes to the notion of letting go of letting go of outcome or even letting go of anything, mm-hmm. you know, um, Oh man, it, I, I know I'm working on it in some areas of my, of my own life. And it, it definitely has been reaching a point of like, man, when I think like this, it hurts and I don't like who I am and I don't like how I am in the world. Um, and so it can be like, gosh, this hurts. All right. All right. I surrender. I choose not to, I choose not to focus on this anymore. I'm mm. actually going to genuinely, I'm actually going to genu- genuinely choose a different story, but it took that like numerous, numerous uncomfortable periods to be like, no, like finally reaching a muscle space of no more. And I, I've seen athletes reach that space with their relationship with the race and their relationship with the outcome too. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous and so miserable every single time, every single time I get to the line. Like I had one athlete professional coming to my office and his whole life, he'd, he'd kind of intentionally, but also been taught to like amplify the stakes of a race. Cause he thought it would like make him perform better. Mm. And he had all sorts of terrible mental health struggles around racing. And one day he came into the, my office. He was like, you know what? Why can't I just be grateful and proud of myself? I am a professional runner. This is like all I ever wanted. I am living my dream. What, like, why can't I? And he'd reached this point of just completely fed up with seeing the way he was seeing. And that, and so I think the suffering took him to that point, to a point where he could genuinely choose something else. I think sometimes mm. we got to suffer enough to genuinely choose something else. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I've seen. Yeah, yes. I, I feel like we could talk about so much more, but we probably should start to uh, wrap it up just a little bit here. I would love to know what questions in this space still need answers or what what research would you like to see in this field that would help you in your work? That is such a good question. Um, I have a question that I find extremely interesting. And um, I think you know, you'll notice there's people in running who just seem to, um, always race, not always, but very, very often thrive in the racing environment and, um, and just seem to thrive almost the more the pressure, the more, the higher the stakes. And then we have, we have far more athletes, I think, who, um, struggle with being present and relaxed and excited about the racing and the racing environment. I would like to know, how past experience, if I was to do a study, I would want to know how past experiences affect an athlete's ability to be excited and present. Because I, I think we often are like, well, that person's just more mentally tough. That person has this it factor that other people don't have. And I, I truly don't believe that's true. Mm. I, I think past experiences within the racing environment have a huge impact on an athlete's state and ability to perform in a race environment. Um, and, and so like back to the whole the uh, topic of like the mountain and the weather. I, I just think an athlete who's had a tough, more experiences just naturally experiences more weather and an athlete who performs more consistently well, just stays more clear of weather. Naturally. I don't think it's a it factor or disability is so much better than anybody else's. I think it's, there's less weather. And if I could do a study on that, I would want to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to know too. So if you do let us know. Okay. <laughs> and, and that was a beautiful way to like wrap it to the beginning. I love that. I love that. Cool. Well, Shannon, where can uh, people connect with you if they're interested in learning more about your work? Yeah, I, um, I have a bit of a small online presence, but I, I am on Instagram. Um, Shannon Lee Thompson, I think is the handle. That's terrible. <laughs> I don't even know it, but it is. Um, <laughs> we'll 
we'll put the right one um, in the show notes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, and then I have a website. It's Shannon Thompson MPC, which stands for Mental Performance Consultant. Dot WordPress.com. And um, I'm always offering an online something. Um, I've got a couple courses coming up this December and in January and February, there'll be um, a regular course on level one and level two kind of mental training for distance runners. Um, but those are the best two places to be uh, become aware of those things. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. I think you've made a lot of runners more mentally tough just by listening to this conversation. <laughs> so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your, your time. At this point in the show, I usually do the Mental Strength Minute to fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. But since this episode was packed with so many great mental strength tips, I think we'll hold off until next week. But now is the time to announce last month's winner of our Apple Podcasts Review Contest. It's P. Nella. They wrote, love this podcast, five stars. Always get so much out of listening to Claire and all her guests. Helpful, inclusive, and relevant. Thank you so much, P. Nella. I really appreciate that. Your mission is to email me at claire at theplantedrunner.com with your shipping address and your signed copy of The Planted Runner will be on its way. If you'd like to win next month, all you have to do is write an Apple podcast review. I read everyone and choose a new random winner each month. Thank you for listening to The Planted Runner, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple podcast review. So be sure to write yours right after your run today. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach. And it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next, because I read every single one. Have a great run today. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.